Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Virgo on the Free. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And joining me once again is League Freak, who you can find on Twitter at League Freak. And he's just returned from Bankwest Stadium. How you doing, mate? Pretty good. Uh, I'm worried that I'm part of the media now. Well, okay, we'll say that you are. Ugh, yuck. It was, um, it was so much fun, let me tell you. That stadium is so good. I was going to say, now that you're part of the media, mate, you need to you need to start shitting on the game. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'll, I'll crap on the game, and what else can I do as part of the media? Just ignore anything fans want to talk about. Start having massive agendas. Uh, I tell you, one of the weird things about, and I don't know if it's like this in the normal toilets at the rest of the stadium. The toilets in the media part, they've got a TV in there. Hey. <laughs> It wouldn't be for watching the game because they don't do much of that. So no, no. What's on the TV? Is it just infomercials or something? Well, the funny thing was nothing was on the TV for, for, <laughs> because it was the junior finals, I guess. They didn't want to set everything up. So, um, But, yeah, I was like, I walked in. I was like, man, it's got a flat-screen TV in the toilets here. That's pretty fancy. I, I pity the poor bastard who's got to clean that. Yeah, that's true. Because um, a couple of journos couple of with, a, with a bit of... Um, a bit of grog in their guts, mm. that might become a target. Who knows? Yeah, that's true. It was pretty high up on the wall. I couldn't unscrew it and take it home, so it's still there. <laughs> ah, I heard you coming. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> from me, I drew it. That's a good point. All right. Um, so despite you being a journalist, today we're actually going to have a no, look no, at no. each... No, no, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Fuck you. I knew that would get a reaction. Fuck you. <laughs> All right. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> today we're going to have a look at each club's performances so far in 2019. I was going to call this the one-third review, but I thought we could also sort of have it um, related to school school terms, I guess. So we can probably have it the first term review. Yeah, so, sounds good to me. So um, let's get started. We'll start at the um, the entertaining end of the ladder, which is at the bottom. Uh, first team That's there, I like the start. The bottom team, the Bulldogs. Mm. Uh, how do you how do you see their form so far? What, and what do you I suppose what do you like and not like about them? I guess. Uh, look, I think I think this is the season the Bulldogs were always going to have. Um, you know, it's it was a disaster leading up to this year. They're really pressing a reset button in a lot of ways. I like some of the younger players that they've got in their side, uh, but it, it, it was always going to be a long season. Um, but the thing I like about the way that they've progressed during the season it's the, is that they're playing with a lot of effort. They're not winning games, but at least they're not, you know, dropping their heads and stuff like that. Um, so that's the main thing. Yeah, I must admit, they've... they've... They've been a bit more entertaining to watch. They're definitely having a having a go. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, personnel's definitely an issue. They've got a fairly young side. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think Foran and Tolman are the only two players that are age 29 or older in the side. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty young. And Tolman's only 30 himself. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, they've still got issues with their attack. You know, for yep. the last few years, they've been the worst attacking side, and right now they're the worst attacking side still. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's just that's just that's just going to happen as the young halves get a bit more experience. 
Um, I don't know if they're going to hang on to Foran. They look good when he was playing. Yeah. But, you know, is he worth persevering with? That's I suppose that's a, something they're going to have to look at at probably the end of this year, I guess. Yeah, part of me thinks is that it feels like when he starts to... Um, when he comes back into the side, I wonder if the club will be thinking they kind of want to stick with their younger players in the halves and, um, you know, they'll have played a number of weeks by then. Um, I don't know. I, I just think that they, they definitely will already have an eye on post foreign. Uh, and I think, look, if, if there was a team that come to them and said, we wouldn't mind him for the rest of the year, I think the Bulldogs would be very happy to, to say, like, if he wants to leave, he can leave. Um, this is year one of, like, a four-year plan, as far as I'm concerned, for the Bulldogs. Their junior grades are actually pretty good. I watched some of their, their younger players. They've got some pretty good young players that will be coming through over the next few years. But this is long-term. And unfortunately for Bulldogs fans, I just think you got to look at it as a, dare I say, five-year plan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of which. <laughs> speaking of which. Well, I was going to say, there actually was a, a, a small rumour going around that uh, Phil Gould was looking at a move to mm. the Bulldogs. Um, I don't know that he left in the best terms when he, when he was at the club back in the 80s, but that's yeah. a long time ago. And I dare say everyone that was at the club then has all moved on. So I don't know if yeah. there'd be an issue if you wanted to go there, especially given I, they've just had a clean out of admin staff as well. That's true. And they brought in an administrator, and I don't know I don't know his name, but I think he worked at Mounties. So they brought somebody in that would have been in that role for Gould. So I think that move is off now. But I, I agree with you. I didn't think that there was ever really anything in those rumours about Gould going to the Bulldogs. And I also think that it's something that the Bulldogs probably would want to do in-house anyway. I mean, I yeah. think that Dan Pay would want to have a, a massive, massive say in that. And I, I, I think their situation is different from where the Panthers were back when the Panthers got Gould on board. I agree. I think, too, the, the Bulldogs, as you as you alluded to earlier, they've, they've got the juniors set up pretty well at the moment. Mm. Their their main focus has got to be getting that uh, that first grade side up to up to speed because mm-hmm. they've invested so much in that team for so many years and all they've done is self harm really. So yeah, yep they've they've pretty much com- almost completed their purge of everything that was expensive and 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 silly I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I dare say they'll be they'll start being a pretty big player in the market over the next two seasons. Yeah, you'd think so. You would think so. All right, we'll move on to Penrith. Um, man, Do we have to? Well, <laughs> they're there. So many, so many people. I'd be surprised if there wasn't anyone out there who didn't think that Penrith would be one of the top four, at least top six sides this year, and one of the genuine premiership contenders. Yep. And they are second last on the ladder, and they look like they need to sit down and have a chat with one another and introduce themselves to each other. There's all the chemistry they've had for the years before looks to have gone out the window, which is surprising considering they've had very little roster change over the last two seasons. Yeah, I mean, this team is basically set for a run. And that's what everyone, I think everyone was was looking at this year. Uh, They're playing with no effort. They're playing with no heart. We've really only seen them put together maybe 
three good halves of football for the entire season. Um, I don't even know what you do because they're set. This isn't like a team that you can look at and say, well, they've got a few players that will be going at the end of the year and they can look to, you know, to retool after this season. They also, when you've thought that they're about to go on a run, they've followed it up with a loss, which is the other terrible thing about where they're at. I really have no idea what they do. Um, because, as you say, they've got the continuity factor going for them. I think Cleary's a great coach. They've got the juniors that are ready to come in. I think some of the injuries and maybe suspensions will give them a chance to throw in a few young players and see what they're looking at going forward because I think this season's done for them. I think it's over. I think the big problem I find with the Panthers, it's something that's simmered away for a while, but because of their ability to score points in bunches at the back end of games in previous years, it's sort of been masked over. But yeah. now it's being exposed more, and that is um, they are they are the most ill-disciplined side in the comp in every aspect, you know, missed tackles, drop ball, um, penalties conceded, all that sort of stuff. They're, they're the worst at committing those mistakes, and a lot of them are basic and silly. And that's something that they need to sit down and go, you know what? If it means we're going to take a few losses, because, as you said, I think this year's over for them as well. Mm-hmm. If it's going to take a few losses, then, and look, they've got the Tigers and the Warriors come up for the next two weeks. Two teams out of form and outside the eight. Mm-hmm. Good opportunity to sit there and go, right, let's just play some basic, back-to-basics back to football where we, we try not to give away any penalties. We try and hang on to the ball. We play a bit of a more simplified thing. And if we start playing with a bit more control over the ball, then we can go back to doing the expansive stuff that works so well. At yeah. the moment, they're just throwing the stuff around every now and then, trying to do stuff, and then in defense, they get frustrated and give away silly penalties. Um, they're just hard to watch at the moment. They're not entertaining like they were the previous years. You don't sit there thinking, yeah. they're going to come back from the dead end with this. You're looking at it going, they're getting close to that part of the game where you know they're about to implode. Yeah, exactly. And the bad habits, they've been learning them over the last few years and now that's what they are and at some point you need to start looking at the players that are missing tackles and are driving balls and are giving away penalties and get rid of them even if they've got a lot of talent you know at some point you are who you are and that's something that the Panthers really need to consider that I mean the talent of these players it's unquestioned like if you go just on talent alone I I dare say the Panthers are a top four team very easily. Agreed. But if you're not performing, none of that matters at all. Yep. Um, there's been a lot of, of criticism about um, Nathan Cleary. Look, he's still a young halfback. He's still learning the game. I, I'm, I'm still pretty happy with where they're at with him. Um, you're hoping that he doesn't get them bad habits taught to him, and that's all he knows, though, and... Um, that's one thing you would want to turn around. I agree with you, though. Go into the next few games and be like, we're not throwing the ball away. We're not looking for offloads. All we care about is high completion rates and not missing tackles. And look, if the Panthers did that, they'd probably be a finals team. But right now, they you are who you are at some point, And they're one of the worst teams in the competition. Yeah, there's there's just been a genuine... I'm not. Even, I don't. I don't like calling teams soft, but mm-hmm. and I'm not going to say they are. I. I just think that there's a a lack of application to the one percenters that actually matter, 
yeah. um, at the club there. And a lot of it is the basic stuff. And that's something that they need to get back and focus on. I think it's one thing, too, that um, Griffin was really good at keeping their, keeping them mindful of. Yeah, and, you know, why do you get rid of him? They're in the top four. You go back to that. Um, yeah. I would also say about the Panthers, how many of their forwards do you think worry other teams? I mean, Kickout does, obviously. I mean, Kickout's a freak. He's unbelievable. But how many of the other forwards this year do you look at as an opposition team and lose sleep over? Yeah, on, on form this year, um, yeah, kick out. I think um, Yeo would do, but the poor bug has just been playing either injured or KO'd half he, the time. He's, he's out for the moment. season. He's yeah. just been announced out for the season now. Oh, that's a that's a big loss. I don't think mm. a, a lot of people realise how important he is to the, the Panthers' attack. He's he's a bloody good line runner, and he's a solid defender on the edge out there. Um and you do start to see that teams will target his side when he's gone off the field. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if if Penrith start having a bit of a failure on his side of the field now that he's ruled out for the year. I'm not surprised he's either. He's um he's just had a horrible year with injuries and, really and as said, has. he's had one or two concussions as well, I think. Yeah, he has. He's just been getting banged up and he's one of their more reliable forwards and losing him is a is a big loss for the Panthers. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to uh, they're going to recover that because too many of their their forwards in that side are not up. To, they're not up to the level they need to be at this stage. They are, pl- you know what? They are playing soft. They've really got a a lot of their backs can get the job done if their forwards are going forward. But right now, the Panthers forwards are playing soft, and other teams are taking advantage of that, and they need to turn it around. They need to have a good look at themselves. Apart from Kickout, who has been unbelievable this year, that bloke's a weapon. Yeah, God, I love watching him play. Yeah, um, same here. Okay, next is the Titans, mm-hmm. and uh, they're pretty much doing what the Titans were expected to do, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. They, they just—I don't know. You just look at them and go, "What? What's? What are they planning? What are they working towards?" There just looks to be no distinct idea about what their attack is supposed to do. A lot of it looks a bit hit and miss and a bit of second guessing. That kind of comes with the disorganisation they've had with their halves this year because they've had a few injuries in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Gordon getting injured as well as had an impact on their spine in that regard because he's pretty good at chiming in on the back of those plays. Um, Brimson's a handy a handy replacement in that area. He's, he's going to be more than capable. Mm-hmm. But I think they've had Peachy out of position. I think he gets exploited a bit defensively at centre. I think he needs yeah. to have a bit more ball in his hand. I'd prefer him at 5'8". Or even uh, off the bench where you can bring him in and just give him almost a roaming duty, which exactly. is what he was the best at at Penrith because he's he's one of, he's a footballer and he will make things happen. And I think he's just underutilised as a centre. Yeah, he's sort of parked out on one side, and he's not—he's not allowed to have that freedom to roam because he's good off both feet. He can yeah. put a good step on him. Um, just seems a bit odd to just sort of park him on one side of the field and just feed him the ball every now and then. When you know, we don't know what to do. Here, you have a crack. See, you can do. Yeah, exactly. That's not, that's not how he works at his best, and it's sort and of starting you to can, show. Penrith really missing him. I mean, he was a massive loss for the Panthers. Mm. Um, yeah, that look. The Titans looked like a team that was thrown together this off-season 
when you watch them play and there's a lot of different parts and as you say there doesn't seem to be a plan you watch them and it's like you know they're just going out and playing footy and I, I, you don't see them building to something and even you look at their roster I, I it just seems as though there's no plan for them and I guess that's probably comes from the issues they've had with their front office uh, they got away from their looking at juniors and things like that, um, and, and maybe that's a symptom of that coming out in first grade. But I, I think you were spot on when you said the Titans are having the season we kind of expected the Titans to have. And, um, you know, it's, it's not fun when you're a fan of a team in that situation. No, it's – and that's the thing. that They kind of remind me of some of those Tiger sides from the uh... – Mm. Not a few years after they won the premiership, where yeah. they they didn't have a plan when they were buying players. They just went, "Oh, that bloke's a well-known player. Let's buy him and exactly. figure out the consequences later." Yeah, um, there's just there's no idea what they're doing there. It's just it's a bit of a mishmash. I think I don't know. I kind of expected a bit more from um, Garth Brennan as a coach because mm-hmm. he'd done pretty well at Penrith in the lower grades, and the Titans got a pretty young side. So I thought he'd be able to get those young guys and get them working well as a unit and improving as the years go on. Um, mm. I think I just expected it to happen a, a little bit more rapidly and somewhat obviously more than what it currently is. It just seems to be... Everything just seems a bit stagnant. Yeah, and I, look, i tell you something else. Bryce Cartwright is not a first grader, and they keep on selecting him. And, I mean, some of his efforts in defence have been... I'm not even reserve grade quality. And you've got to wonder how long they can actually keep putting him out there because he kills them. He absolutely kills them. It's it's an interesting thing because he had that one good year at the, at the Panthers there before he went across to the Titans. And um, that's because most of the time he was playing in the halves. Mm-hmm. So he was being protected defensively by big forwards either side of him. Mm. Um, but we even saw that when he was playing at 5'8". His biggest problem was, given his size, he'd spend most of the time crabbing sideways across the field. And now that he's playing in the, in the back row, he's still doing that. Yeah. You need to go forward, Bryce. Yeah. Because um, at the moment, it's just, there's not much momentum from dummy half and from the forwards, and they've got a pretty good pack. Mm. But they, they're also going to suffer now too because they've lost Ryan James. And I mean... He's, he's the heart and soul of that forward pack on that team. And without him on the field, um, yeah, they are, they're in for a, a bit of a long season now, I think. Yeah, they need to... I mean, they need to be looking at where they're going very long-term, I think, with this team. And, you know, they should be recruiting youngsters. Um, I don't think they should be recruiting too many older players at this stage. Uh, I think, that, I mean, I think Mal Meninga's doing some work with them at the moment, which is good, um, just to have that experience around the club. But, yeah, it's it's not looking good for them right now, unfortunately. Quick question for you. Do yep. you think Ash Taylor is their long-term halfback um, option? Well, I do. I th- He's in a beaten side just about every week, which is an issue. Um, I do. I, th- I think that he's a good young halfback to build around, but he needs some support. And I think that he's had to play in a lot of make-do lineups in his in his career there at the Titans. Yep. 
I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, he signed there long term. I think it was the the end of the season before last. So I think he's there for a while. But I wouldn't be shocked if he's starting to look at his career and thinking, man, I, I don't know if I want to be doing this for too much longer because I think some other clubs wouldn't mind having him. But, yeah, I think Ash Taylor personally is a pretty good young halfback um, and I think he could could do some things in a good side, but he just says he's not been in a good side there at the Titans. Do you think differently? Do you think he's not the no, player? No, I, I think at the moment he's trying too hard mm-hmm. um, because, because the attack is so off-kilter and disorganised. Yeah. I think he feels it's up to him to try and rectify that. Yeah. And when yeah. there's not much go forward or there's not much momentum coming out of dummy half for, you know, slow play of the balls or, you know, whatever reason, the he puts too much pressure on himself sometimes to do a remarkable play. And more often than not, that's never going to work. Mm. Um, I'd like to see him with a experienced 5-8 beside him. Yep. I think that would take a lot of that pressure off him. Uh, Roberts is sort of fits that mould. Um, the problem they've got with him, though, is that he's he's been a bit injured. He's just mm-hmm. starting to sort of find his legs and his fitness now. But as soon as that happens, you, they then lost Ryan James to injury. And then we've got Origin a few weeks away, and they're going to lose probably one or two of their forwards there because the Origin side for Queensland has been decimated by injury. So Titans are invariably going to lose players there as well. Yeah. So, it's just going to mean that that struggle that they've gone through is just going to get extended a bit longer. And exactly. I worry with young blokes when they suffer a lot of losses that they just lose confidence and interest in playing. Yeah. And, and sort of and go through the motions a bit. Exactly. And I think that he made a move which was calculated for his career, and I think it was a good move. And at some point, I think he, he is going to realise that he, he just doesn't want to be that halfback. And I think, I mean, I, I would say this about about him. Say he was switched to South Sydney for Reynolds as a halfback. I think South Sydney would be fine. I don't think that they'd miss too much. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to attack Reynolds at all. Uh, I, I think he's just that sort of halfback that if he was in the right side, he would be a bloody good halfback. And he's yeah. just not not in the right side. And I do. I think that he's going to get to a point where he's going to say to the Titans, "Listen, I want to start looking around, and they need to make sure they don't allow this situation that they've got to get to that point, because he is really the focal point of that club going forward." Yeah, I mean, I think I think things will work out once he's got um, um, Nathan Peets back. Mm. I don't know if he's, yeah. how long he's out for, but yeah, I'm not the, sure. That's the, the, the Titans are struggling a bit without that really crisp service that that Pete provides mm-hmm. because the forwards are sort of lumbering a bit more than building momentum. Yeah, so it's hard for a halfback to sort of do anything off the back of that, I guess. Yeah, one hundred percent. Next, this one's a bit of a shock: the Broncos. Yes. Um, obviously, there's a lot of talk about Darius Boyd here and the 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 coaching dramas that went on there. I don't think that the coaching is is the issue at all here. Nah. There's there's something going on with the the team and the players. Um, 
Darius Boyd is, I'm not going to call him soft. I'm going to say he has no interest in playing the game right now. Um, that's between his ears. I don't know how you fix that, but probably probably drop him into playing in the Queensland Cup or something like that for a few weeks and just say, mate, if you want to come and play with us, prove it. Because mm-hmm. he's he is well regarded, and rightfully so, as being one of the best defensive fullbacks. This this game's probably had for you know, especially for the last few decades, and his performances this year don't prove that. He is just being yeah. missing big time defensively, um, and not as involved as he should be creatively in attack. He's just sort of they hand him the ball a lot more this year than he did last year, but he's just running it instead of trying to create with it. It's it's almost like he's just not interested in in playing. Yeah, and look, I think with some of the other changes they've made, like bringing in um, Dearden, who was very, very good in his first game, um, they let Nikarima go, which was a little bit surprising, but I think is probably going to be one of those moves that works for everyone. If they're willing to make that change in the halves now, and I think that's a really good time to make it when you're having a season like this, um, I think you've also got to make the change at fullback. And, you know, I don't know who they put back there if you chuck in a youngster and just see how he goes. But whoever it's going to be, it's going to be better than Darius Boyd at this stage. I just think Darius Boyd's... Look, even Clive Churchill retired. At some point, Father Time just beat you. And I think that that's what's happened with Darius. Um, Whether he's looking at enjoying life after football or whatever it is, you know, it's time for them to make that call now because they're not trying to, you know, turn this season around. Now it's about the future. And they've got a really, really good young forwards. They've got some great young forwards. Now they've got a very good young half who showed in his first game. You're like, he's he's somebody that could be pretty special for the Broncos. It's time to really look towards doing that for the whole side because there's no downside for giving these youngsters a few runs on the board because their season with some of these more experienced players is not going anywhere anyway. I mean, I, I think that if they can get Roberts, who obviously there's been a lot of speculation that he is going to leave the club um, if he ends up going, and just get this, get a young team going. Give them reps. Get, let them play together. Let them get that experience together and do it in a season where you've started off poorly and you're not going to break something. You know, It's not like they're a finals team right now. That's right. And right now I'd be looking at ch- changing up, I guess, the, the way their halves play. I think they need to be a little bit more direct in the halves. Mm-hmm. So... One idea I'd have was probably considering moving Bird to five eight. Um, yeah, put put Boyd if you're going to keep him in the side, put him at centre. Yeah, makes his defensive job a little bit easier because he's just got to defend the bloke in front of him instead of everything else that goes on being a, a fullback defensively. Mm-hmm. And put um, put Milford at fullback, give him a bit more room to move. Yeah, I think that that would probably work out a little bit better because um, I think. Milford's got a better passing game than than Boyd right now, and I yeah. think he'd be a lot more effective out the back there, um, with with a bit more room to move. So that that might be an option moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's uh, and it's time to make those changes. I, I I'm with you. I don't think the coaching's an issue. I think that's all just media garbage. Um, but 
and they've got some really good things going for them now at the Broncos. It's just about getting the balance right and looking towards the future because in in two or three years' time, you could have a, a Broncos side that probably would have an average age of about 25 that could be an absolute gun team for many years to come. Yeah, and it's um, the problem they've got, though, is the is the expectation of success that comes with being the Broncos, given that they've been in the finals nearly every year by about three or four. So yeah, um, having a season where they have a bit of a purge and a bit of a clean-out and, and a reset, mm-hmm. um, there's that worry that the fans may not like that too much. But clubs have got to go through it these days, given how the salary cap has become quite a good leveller. Mm-hmm. Every now and then you're going to have one of those seasons where you just got to do that to sort of reset. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. Right, next is uh, the Warriors. And to be honest, a lot of people thought that they'd be able to kick on from last year. Um, mm-hmm. I immediately wrote them off the minute they got rid of Sean Johnson. And really? they're, wow. they're, they're proving to be, to, to prove me right, I guess, because... Uh, They've they've struggled without having, you know, a set set halves there. They mm-hmm. they started out with one one pair of halves which they stuck with for two weeks. Then Black Green got injured. They brought in another half back, and it's just been this constant moving around. <clears throat> excuse me, moving around of halves ever since. Yep. Um, they've got on paper they've got quality from from one to seventeen. Yeah, definitely. But too many players are just not. They're just not hitting their straps. Like Adam Blair's under a lot of fire at the moment for for his performances. He's always been one of those players though that isn't huge in attack, but mm-hmm. he's more of a, a defensive sort of bloke. He who does his job out there. But right now, they actually need they actually need a wide running back rower on on his side where he is. He's going to do some some big hard runs, and Blair needs to start. He knows needs to start getting more involved in attack. Or they just need to move on and get someone else because at the moment, I think, I think the Warriors are lacking with their attacking options on both sides. Yeah, I mean, I've been pretty happy with how um, Harris Tavita has been playing in the halves. I think he's one of those players that uh, I think he'd be, you know, if you put him in a five eighth and he had an organising half, I think he'd, he his game would be better in that sense. And I, it's weird because they've brought in Nick Arima and that's going to see um, Harris Tavita go to basically reserve grade, I would suggest, because Green will come back into the side. And I think that's not great for them going forward. Um, one of the players that has been having an incredible season for them is Tohu, uh, Tohu Harris. Yeah. He's been, he's been incredible this season for the Warriors. And the other one, I mean, the the fullback, um, Chilvasa Shek, like he, he, yeah, maybe maybe the best player in the comp. Just looks like he's on a different level to everyone at the moment. So the talent is there. Like they've got so much talent in this side, they could definitely be a, at least a top six side, and they're not. And you got to wonder at what point you. St- you start looking at the coach because the coach the coach should be looked at right now. Um, yeah, because Kearney, I mean, it, I thought that he was unfairly treated, especially was at Parramatta. Um, I thought he did some all right stuff there, but 
at this stage, I'm looking at this team and I'm like, this is a, a finals team, a finals team you don't want to be playing. And to be losing at home to the Knights, which was a disastrous loss, uh, the coach has got to be under the pump right now because he just hasn't shown anything yet at the Warriors. No, and there's no excuses now. Like you, the first season, you always get grace because you don't have the team you want. You're making do with what the last bloke left there. Mm-hmm. And to some extent, you get the second year um, a little bit of leeway because you're still reshaping what you want, but he's the third year there now. He's got the team he's wanted. Yeah. And there's, and there's no real excuses nowhere. for what he's done. And I mean, he let Johnson go. Mm-hmm. Um, he does have some unbelievable talent coming through. As you said, Harris Tavita's one. Um, Hayes Perham, that kid is, could be anything. He mm-hmm. is an absolute gun, that kid. Um, I hope he gets a bit more game time this year. I don't mind if it's off the bench just to sort of ease him into it, but, um, yeah, he's an explosive ball runner. I can't wait to see him get involved. Um, good good ball player as well. You could fill in at fullback and in the halves if he had to. He's just one of those players. You can just chuck him in here in the back line. He'll go good. Yeah, and one of the, the forwards I like that they've got, Ignatius Parsi. Not only do I love his name, I mean... <laughs> You know, I, I don't even need you to look this up. First Ignatius we've ever had in rugby league ever. Um, but I love the way he runs. He's a he. He's got good drive when he hits the line, and I love that about him. Um, they they need a coaching change. I don't know who you'd bring in. Hopefully, they don't look at Trent Barrett. Please don't look at Trent no. Barrett. They need an experienced sort of a harder nose sort of coach, a sort of. Yeah, you know, no, no nonsense, no bullshit type of person in there because I think I think Kearney's a bit too much of the softly, softly type. Um, yeah, definitely. They, they need that type. I think an Anthony Griffin would probably go quite well there if he got a, a bit of support from the board mm. because he's yeah, got he'd that. Yeah, he'd be good for them. He'd settle their play down a little bit, get them doing the little things right, um, and hopefully let the talent shine through on the back of that. Yeah. Um, especially with that they have got a bloody good forward pack. So um, I think he'd probably stiffen it up a fair bit and, and make them better in the middle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, any side that's going to be strong in the middle that contains two of us, a Sheck, is going to win games. Mm, definitely. Oh, wow. He's playing, he's playing so good this year. He's definitely the best fullback in the game for me. I'd have him over to Desco every day of the week. Yeah, I think if you were to put... If you were to switch clubs for those two players... You know, right now, I think mm-hmm. I think two of us a Sheck would still be better, and that to me, that's the sort of gauge as to how well he's playing. Yeah, and nothing against Tedesco. Tedesco's no, no, God, no. playing great, killing it for the Roosters. But wow, just he's playing at a different level. It's unbelievable. It's almost like every time the Warriors look like they're more and more closer to defeat, mm-hmm. he he gets better and better as he's trying to get them out of it. He's yeah. he's he's really. Um, He's really picked up his game and his involvement ever since he was made captain. Yeah. Um, he's, he's really wearing that with, with a lot of pride, that, that tag, which is great to see too. Yeah, and I, I thought that the captaincy might weigh on him a bit, but it's it seems to have been he's one of those players that it's made him a better player. Yeah, and just, you love seeing that. Absolutely. All right, next is the Cowboys. Um, they've had a... Had a uh, a good win over the Dragons to start with, but then followed up with four straight losses, and mm-hmm. none of those were pretty to watch. 
they're starting to show a little bit of form now, but in saying that, their last three games have been against three pretty poor sides in the Warriors, the Bulldogs, and the Titans. Um, They're going to get a good test to see where they're at this week when they take on South. But they, too, have a a good side across the field, and I, I can't even say that the Thurston departure is a factor there because they went through to the grand final in 2017 without him or Matt Scott. Yeah, so exactly. they know they know they can win these games without him. They know they can be successful without him. Um, there is some talk that there's a bit of dissension between the coach and the players. Mm. If, if so, that's probably the reason why they're not doing so well. But I don't think it's reason enough for some of the really poor performances they've had so far this year. Yeah, definitely. And, and some of them have been below the Cowboys. Um, I tend to think that they'll be able to become a finals team. They might get like seventh or eighth place in the finals. Um, they lack a an out-and-out superstar, like a game-breaking superstar, but they're still a pretty solid side. I think some of their forwards need to step up. I mean, Cohen Hess... He's either going to be one of those players that steps his game back up and and really kicks on, or he's going to be one of those whatever happened to Cohen Hess sort of players. Um, they've got, a, as you say, they've got a good solid side. They're experienced. They don't really have too many um, issues when you look at their lineup. I like Jake Clifford. I think he's he's been going pretty well in the halves. Um, they, their form's just been down, and as you say, there's been those rumours about issues with coach which always worries me when you go from being a top side to not being that great but still having some good talent in the side you know when when that sort of stuff starts to happen I don't really look at the coach I look at the players and I wonder what messages they want from their coach who I mean Green's got a winning record he's a he's proven himself as a coach um I think that a lot of their players, there might be some of them that just don't like the position they're in right now or they feel as though it should be coming easier to them. And you just can't... As soon as you start doing that in the NRL this season, you're stuffed, and the Panthers are a great example of that. Um, I think they can turn it around, but they need to just, you know, it's a little bit of head down, bum up, and, and just get stuck into it. And if they can do that, I think they'll make the finals. But... They need to start right now. And as you said, the game against South is going to be really interesting because I think South are, I think South are the team to beat this year. And if they can put on a good performance against South, maybe even beat South, it would be a good boost for the club. Um, that They need something. They need that kick in the backside to get them on track, I think. Yeah, it's interesting because I watch them play and I don't think that they're playing... Um bad to some mm-hmm. extent. I think mm-hmm. what's happening is, is there's just not that synchronicity in their attack. Mm. And at times when they're, they're starting forwards come off, the go, the guys coming on, they're not playing at the same level as the blokes who have come off. And yeah. their defence starts to falter later in games because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it's you think. I mean, that's the thing too. Hess has been, has been a little bit poor the last, you know, probably the last six months, really, the tail end of last year and this year. Yeah. Yeah. But in saying that, it, a lot of people seem to forget, too, he's only 23. Yeah, that's so, true. So, um, you know, a lot of forwards don't really start showing how good they are 
until they're in that that mid twenties, late twenties area there. So, um, in saying that, I'd I'd like to see him get back to that form that got him selected for Queensland. Mm. He can be a bloody devastating uh, runner on the on the edge there. Um, and in saying that, I think too that. I, th- I think Morgan needs to work on his combination on on Hess on that side. Morgan seems to be pretty much heavily focused on playing on the left side there. Yeah, I'd like to see him work on some combinations on the right as well, and, and try and get Hess a bit more involved um, in attack because I think he's a he's a genuine weapon out there. There's no doubt about it. We've seen what he can do. Yeah, definitely. And I just don't want to see him go down the same road as like a Dan Carlo, basically, where. You know, he's got every reason to be a top-of-the-line forward, maybe even play for Australia when he's playing really in form. Um, but right now, he's just not that player, and he needs to he needs to fire up because the Cowboys need him. Yeah, and they've, they've got a very good forward pack, so there's no real issues there. They probably need to do some work on their backs as mm-hmm. far as staff goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but um, other than that, I, you know, they have been dealt a bit of a blow this year because I think Tamara Martin looks like he could be out indefinitely given he's had that horrible injury. I think they said yeah. he had a bit of bleeding on the brain or something. Yeah, terrible. Hopefully that all works out for him. I mean, at some stage you, you would have to worry about his career with something mm. like that and um, hopefully that gets sorted out and it's not something that... He just as a person has to worry about going forward. That's right. So yeah, uh, hope all works out for you with tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, who have we got next? The Knights. Knights. Yeah. Oh, the Knights. Um, eh, geez, everybody was thinking the Knights are going to be a top six side this year. Um, and See, I, was, I wasn't. I no, wasn't. I was going to say neither was I. I said mm. you can't. You can't make as many roster changes as they've done over the last few years and expect it to just automatically work. Mm-hmm. Um, if they if they can keep their squad what they have now and maintain it for the next, you know, one or two years at least, then they're going to be a finals ch- um, contender, no doubt. They've got the squad to do that. But mm-hmm. they've got too many combinations to get created. They've got too many players who are just learning each other's style at the moment. Yeah, um, They're not going to be... They're not going to be also runs like they had been in previous seasons. They're going no. to be up there and, and constantly within striking distance of the top eight. And we've seen the last two weeks, they had been much better uh, in attack as well. But that's when they come up against the really good strong sides that once that pressure gets applied to them, they do tend to fall apart a bit quickly there. Um, but there, there's plenty of positives there. Um the other issue is there's a lot of people suggesting that Nathan Brown could be could be facing the chop sometime soon because, you know, this is his side that he's, he's built now. This is the squad he wanted, and while that's all valid, um, I do think he'd probably need... I think he should be judged on what he does next year, not so much what he does this year because mm-hmm. so many of these players haven't played with one another yet. So yeah, exactly. And, like, even the, um, the, you'd probably say that Ponga is the, the star of this side. And, I mean, even him, he's so young. He's still learning how to be a first grader, really, and, and perform week in, week out. He's done some pretty incredible things for the club this year. But you can still see there's times in the game where he he, he just needs the reps 
to to really know what he should be doing and when he should be doing it. Um, there's talk that they want to try and. I mean, I know he's only signed a contract extension not long ago, but they they're really keen to make sure that he's at the club like on a very long term basis, which I think is a really good move um, for him because it's a it seems like it's a good environment for him to be in. Some players. They, oh, and I was worried when he went to the Knights. I thought, man, this is just going to be a cash grab. He's going to be in a bad environment. It's not going to work for him. But it seems to be working for him in his football. So I would hope that he stays there um, long term. But, uh, you know, it, it this this is where I, I kind of expected the Knights to be. There's going to be games where they put in a decent performance. There's going to be other games where they look absolutely terrible. Um this is still rebuilding from what Wayne Bennett left behind, in my opinion. And I don't, there's been a couple of games where I've thought to myself, wow, this is Nathan Brown's last game coaching. But then again, I mean, who do you replace him with? I don't see anybody, anybody out there that sort of is ready to step into the same role and, and develop this club going forward. And, you know, once again, please don't sign Trent Barrett. <laughs> yeah, look, I think. I think the problem Knights would have is if they sign another coach, then this whole process has to start again because yeah. a new coach will want players that suit his style and then all of a sudden you're going through and you're just having more churn on your roster and mm-hmm. just more misery. Um, I'd like to see I'd like to see Brown with a settled squad, which he mm-hmm. hasn't he hasn't done yet. Part of that's his fault, I accept. But I think if he can settle on this squad he's got here and Next year, I would judge him on next year because yeah. there's no excuses next year at all. This year, you can still say, look, there's still players that have come in. It's changed a few dynamics. That's all valid. But next year, if he keeps the same mob together and they still don't perform, then you go, right, it's the coach. You had every opportunity. You've got the side you wanted and you've still failed. Bye-bye, Nathan. We'll get someone else in. And yeah, exactly. don't don't bring in Nathan, don't bring in Trent Barrett. <laughs> no, no. And can I just say one last thing about the Knights too? What they've done with David Clemmer, he needed that so badly. Yeah. He needed Agreed. to get away from all the people saying, go out, bash and barge, rev up the other side, get involved in all the niggle. He's gone back to what made him a great player. You know, footwork. He, he's he's that player once again, and he's having an incredible season for the Knights. Um, I've been so happy with it. Yeah, he's been making big metres up the middle too. It's been brilliant to see. Yeah, because he was going down a real bad bad pathway, and it, he's back to doing what he should have always been doing. So that's been I've loved seeing that out of him this year. I fully agree, mate. Fully agree. All right. Next is uh, the West Tigers, who mm. started out pretty bloody brilliantly, very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though they had a few losses there to teams who were in disgraceful form in the Bulldogs and Penrith. Um, they had that comfort behind went over Brisbane, which, you know, a lot of people would have thought, okay, they've they've sort of hit a reset button. They're back to where they need to be. And then the last three weeks, they've looked they've looked like also-rans. Even though yeah. they beat the Titans, they still let the Titans get out to a 14-point lead after 20 minutes. Um, it was only the Titans' own you know, mounting injury toll in that game, which which allowed the Tigers to really get over the top of them and come home in that one with a decent yeah. score. But letting in 107 points in three weeks, 
it's not it's not massive compared to a lot of others in in history, but it's still far too high. Yeah. Um, and if you want to be a finals team, you're not going to do that. Um. Yeah, they've got a few injury woes. They've got two big problems at the club, and it's not their form, but their big problems are Benji Marshall and Robbie Farah, and that is not the men themselves, but who replaces them next year. Mm-hmm. Because at the moment, Farah's been their best player. Um, and they lose him. Who are they going to replace him with, and how is they, how are they going to make the team better than they currently are? Mm-hmm. And Benji has looked like the better 5'8 out of him and Reynolds. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, what are the odds that you lose Benji Marshall and you've got Reynolds on the bench ready to rock and roll and then you lose Reynolds as well? It's been just very unlucky for the Tigers. Um, I think Luke Brooks, is, his form has not been great in the last few weeks either. I think that, that that's been a, a bit of an issue for them. I think that they're going... When you consider where they are in the ladder, that's pretty good considering the squad they've got. I think they've still got a few players that are the sort of first graders you have when you haven't got who you really want in those positions. Um, you know, they're, they're in a development phase. And as you say, they've got to start looking towards next season. I'd, I've got no idea who who you put in for Farah next year. I, I don't know. Has Farah confirmed that this is his last season? Yeah, they because, both have. They've got okay. young Jacob Little, who's been in the lower grades for a year, and sort of he's been the man to take over the Farah's mantle for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been decimated by injury for much of his career, and he only played his first game this season last week. Oh, wow. Um, I can't even remember it if he's played an 80-minute game yet, and if he has, when it was. Um mm. And so I think if you need someone who's going to jump into that spot and replace Farah, they need to be at least somewhere close to his capabilities. And to me, Little is only 22, but he just seems to be a few steps still behind. I don't mm-hmm. know how they how they rectify that in the space of about 20 weeks. Um, and then the other issue is finding a 5'8 who will partner Brooks and, and do well with him. Um, he, he seems to perform better with an experienced um, spine around him. Mm-hmm. So you, if you look at some of Luke Brooks' best games, it is actually when Benji Marshall and Robbie Farrer have played. Mm. When they haven't played, he's sort of gone a bit missing a bit. Uh, so I don't know how they how they rectify that. They are still got a fair few run, young players there. They've got a decent enough forward pack. It could do with a bit of an upgrade. Um, it is a bit of a mishmash in the in the back line. I yeah, think Moses Mbai is. Yeah, I don't think Moses Mbai should be fullback. No, no, it it just seems like they're making do with that that move with having him at fullback. And look, I saw a petition about getting him dropped, and I thought it was a bit ridiculous because, like, there's no one that jumps out at you in, in the the squad that you'd think, oh yeah, he's definitely should be playing at fullback in my opinion. Um, I, I feel this is just a in-between year for them, you know, and they've got a good coach. As long as they give Maguire the chance to rebuild this team, they should be fine. Um, they've got the, the junior base to, to work with, which is fantastic. But, uh, you know, one thing I would say, is this Robbie Farrow's best season of his career or what? Um, It's got to be close. It's, it's got to be top it's, three. It's up there. He's... he's yeah. um. He's always loved the club, though. Um, I'm looking at him right now going, come on, Rabbi, sure you got another year in you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's he, doesn't, he doesn't look like he's playing like an old man. 
No, he's, he's very nippy out of half, out of uh, dummy half, which I haven't seen him like that for a while. Uh, I think, I think Jason Taylor tried to coach that out of him, just just for the sake to try and piss him off. I don't know what it was, but it just seemed like that natural style that he had under Taylor just went completely missing, and he was just playing a, a basic role. We just got to dummy up and threw the ball. He didn't actually do anything creative. Whereas yeah. this year, he's back to having that that really brisk running out of dummy half. Um, he's back to doing those really clever, um, you know, one-handed scoop off the ground from dummy half and then getting the getting the forward pack moving with him. Yeah. And his short kicking game is, is back to its best as well, close to the line. Um, I still say to this day, and it may be biased, but I still say to this day that he's the best, um, he's the best hooker when it comes to short kicking close to the line that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, just knows how to get it through. Get get to where it needs to be. You don't seem, you know, have absolute shockers that go dead by a long or anything like that. They're always really good attacking kicks, and more often than not, they either lead to tries or dropouts. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be hard to find players who can replace that sort of asset. You've got a dummy half. Yeah, I, I mean, if I was Maguire, I'd be saying, "Listen, you got another year in you," and yeah. he he physically he looks as good as he's ever looked. His defense is really good this year. Um, he's got another year in him, and I hope he sticks around because they need him. Absolutely, and I'd even say because Benji's a year younger than Benji's got another year in him as well. Yeah, I'll say so too. Please, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a whole heap of West Tigers fans telling me to shut up, and they'll hate me after that because they just say, "Oh, these old dinosaurs need to piss off." You know, oh, fine, you're entitled to that view. Right, West Tigers fans, who listens to them anyway? <laughs> That's true. All right, we're into the top eight now. Oh, Eighth place is the Dragons. Um, it's they've been very, very strong. They had, they had two two losses to start the year. It's kind of funny is that the moment that they lost their star player and captain in Gareth Woodup was the moment they actually started to um, play really bloody good footy, <laughs> which was quite surprising. Um, Corey Norman has been brilliant there. It's a move he should have made a few years ago because he actually looks like he's playing with a purpose. Yep. He's playing with a lot of intent, uh, and he's looking bloody dangerous with the ball in hand. It's just a shame that his face got smashed in. Yesterday. <laughs> yeah. um, so he's going to be out for a while because he was, he was playing the best footy of his whole career. It was fantastic. And really driving the Dragons, you know, he, he was one of their best. Um I look at this Dragon side, I think that they're a really, really good team. I love their forward pack. I think they've, I've, I love watching the Dragons play. Um, when they're on song, their forward pack belts the hell out of opposition oh, teams. Yeah. I worry that that is something that you can't sustain over the course of a whole year, though, and that eventually you wear yourself down doing that sort of thing. But talent-wise, uh, and it's going to be difficult with Norman out, and obviously Widdop is a, is an issue. Who I, I don't think Widdop should have been moved from five eight, but that's just me. Um, I think talent wise, this is a team that should be going for a premiership this year. And to see them in eighth position is a problem. And when you start doing that, you've got to start looking at the coach. And if, I think they re-signed uh, McGregor to like a forty million year deal recently. Uh, about which, the same amount of money. Yeah, yeah, and, and Dragons fans love that because McGregor's been so successful as Dragons coach. So it's a real issue. Um, I don't. There's not a talent problem with this team, in my opinion. 
no, I agree. Although they might get a bit found out now that they've lost Widdop and um and Norman. They mm-hmm. might get a bit found out in the halves because you know, Ben Hunt's not a bad player, but I've always likened him to um an old cricket term, a flat track bully. When mm-hmm. his team's on top and they're against a side that they that are struggling a bit, he's absolutely unbelievable. But mm-hmm. when when the chips are down and you, you need him to do something big to help the team out, a lot of the times he's sort of missing. Um, so I don't know who they're going to put in the halves to help that issue out now. It's going to be a, a big, big call as to how they go on from here um, unless they decide to just bring Corey Norman out with a one of those Robocop masks to look after his face so they don't have to worry about it. But uh, yeah. It's 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 going to be a, a tough few weeks until Corey comes back. Yeah, and and he's this having that sort of five eight. I mean, even if you had uh, Widdop, just perfect for Hunt because uh, it, Hunt Hunt really does a lot of work for a half backy, and he always backs up. That's why he gets a lot of tries because yeah. he's always going through. And I love that about Hunt. He's been such a good buy for the club when people were bagging it. I won't. I can't remember if I was bagging the. I can't remember if I was saying it was a good move or not. I think I was saying it was a good move. But anyway. Um, well, look, it was also a move he had to do because you could just see he had a bit of a a mental hangover after that, that drop ball in the grand final. Definitely. And it seemed to taunt yeah. him a bit at the Broncos there. So he had to move out to try and, um, you know, reset his career a bit, I guess. And he has been reasonably pretty good at the at the Dragons. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just, I just find that when the – when the pressure's really on and they're up against a quality side, he does tend to not not perform at his best. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because of that. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to say. But, I mean, he's been sensational for the Dragons so far. And I guess this is going to be the big test for him because he needs to really guide this team around the park now. Um, it's shocking that they're in eighth place to me. That This team should be a top-four team like the like the Panthers, you know, um, talent, brilliant forward pack, it's got all sorts of different forwards you would want, got players that have experience, they've got proven performers. This is a, a really good team. Um, I just don't know why they're not higher up on the ladder right now. Yeah, and look, the good thing about the forward pack too is it's um, it's a whole heap of different bodies. You know, so you got a you got the taller sort of play, player like um, like Paul Vaughan at one, in one prop position, and the other one you got the more solid um, player in James Graham, and it's because of those constant differences without the four pack. It makes them such a hard team to to um, to defend against, especially in the middle. Yeah. So yeah. go forward, I don't think it's going to be an issue all year. It's going to be how the backs perform off the back of that. Yeah. Um, so. But, yeah, I do think that they should be a bit higher up on the ladder. Yeah, and, uh, like, just looking through some of their squad, Ewan Aitken hasn't had a great season. Um, that's one player that probably has been um, not to his best. You've got to remember they don't have Jack DeBellin in the side mm. because, uh, you know, the NRL is the judge during execution of these days, apparently. Um, well, because but, someone didn't tell him he shouldn't be raping women. Well, you know, it's it's... But we all need to be told that. You've got to wait for the courts to decide. And I, I don't like what the NRL has done with that. And I, I think that he's going to win in court, personally. Um, I think that he's he might end up with some sort of 
um, I don't know if you could say a settlement or something, but I wouldn't be shocked if that when that court case comes in, they've said they're going to chuck him straight back in the side. But anyway, he's out. He's out. Whatever the case. Um, so they've they've going to now be in a position where they've got a few players missing. Um, I wonder. I don't haven't heard anything about Tyson Frizzell's eye injury, but that looked really scary. He was bleeding from his eye. Yeah, um, I mean, he did come back out on the field, which some was somewhat promising, but he didn't stay mm, up for too long. So mm. maybe it's not as severe as as you know as it is, as it looks. Mm-hmm. It, it's never good having bleeding from the eye. Yeah, it looked terrible. Um, but yeah, we're, you know that. So they've got a few players out now, but. They should be way higher on the ladder. They just should be. Yeah. Um, next is a team that's probably higher than many people thought they would be, given mm-hmm. the injuries, and that's the Sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had quite a few players out with injuries this year, and especially they've had a few games where players have pulled out, um, you know, within minutes or within the last hour before kickoff. Mm. Um, yeah, they've, they've been surprising. I think last week was, was quite a stunning performance by them against the Storm where they were... Really short on quality players. They had, they got Dugan, who I think is right now playing out of position at fullback. Mm-hmm. Um, his ball handling skills have really dropped off a fair bit the last last year and a half. Yeah. Um, there's no doubting his his um, effort or his commitment. He's definitely putting in. I think he'd just be a bit better on the wing. Yeah. He's definitely got that strong running style that would work out there. Um, I thought they were starting to look good with with young Kennedy at fullback there in the two games he had there. He looked like a, a genuine replacement for Valentine Holmes. He's got that same sort of same sort of frame, same sort of speed. He runs the ball back the same sort of with the same sort of vigor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a genuine long term option there. I like that John Morris has been bringing in a lot of rookies there. They yeah. had to because they yeah, had yeah. such an such an old squad. You know, pretty much every player's got some bloke who's either in the late twenties or late thirties. Yeah, know? so exactly. They need to start getting some of those young guys in there, which has been great to see. Um, and they, I think they're punching above their weight given the injuries that they've had. I think yeah, definitely. Once once they get a a settled squad and they get like the likes of Wade Graham back into the side again, which is not far away. Um, Sean Johnson back as a you know regularly playing in the halves as well. Um, and get settled on a fullback. I think we'll start mm. to see them after a few weeks. We'll probably start seeing them back to their best, and I expect them to remain in the top eight. Yeah, you'll think so. I mean, you go through their list of plays they haven't had. I mean, Graham Johnson this week. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, Gallon Gallon's been in and out. You've had in and uh, out. Yeah, the um, young Matt Moylan, um, yep. Aaron Woods. You know, they've got some bloody good players that have been missing. So they've done really well to be where they are. Um, as you say, they'll they'll all come back into the side. They'll probably take a few weeks to, to gel a little bit. But uh, once they do, you wouldn't want to be playing them in the finals. Um, I don't know that they'll move too much higher up the ladder going, going ahead in the season. But, yeah, once they get those players back, they're uh, – we saw against the Storm, like, they're the sort of team that if they have a good month during the finals, I wouldn't rule them out. No, I certainly wouldn't either. I think the thing I'm liking about them too is um, everyone thinks of the the Sharks as this grinding team that just wants to get into an arm wrestle. 
I'm not so sure that that's the way they're playing anymore. No. I'm watching the way they play now, and they they come to life in the second half, and they are playing mm-hmm. some pretty good attacking footy in the second half of games. Yeah, yeah. I think John Morris has been able to stamp his authority on this side pretty quickly. I actually thought that they'd be he'd have that first year where he'd still be playing flannel ball, where they'd just be mm-hmm. poor Gallon doing six hit ups before poor Gallon does something at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but they they really are playing pretty pretty expansive footy. And they're not one-trick ponies like they had been in the past an awful lot either. Yeah, that's true. And, like, I mean, someone like Sherry is really added to their back mm. line and giving them that danger factor of, like, you know, you, you just can't can't give him any space at all because he'll really punish you if you do. And that's something that, you know, in the past they've maybe lacked a little bit. Um but yeah, I've been really impressed by how they've played so far this season. They've had every reason to to drop off and drop their heads, and they just haven't done that. No, I think they've got one one issue coming up soon, and that is they've now got three three genuine halves in Flanagan, Johnson, and Townsend. Mm-hmm. Not to mention Moylan, but Moylan's going to be pretty much their fullback from now on in. Um, one of those three is going to have to get dropped sometime soon. That's a good because point. And who would it be? Again, right well, now, I was say, be. well, that's the thing. I'm thinking that um, it, it'd be hard to say no to Sean Johnson, given they're probably paying him more than the other halves there, and he is the current Kiwi test half. Mm-hmm. Um, he's only 28, same age as Townsend. And Flanagan, as we saw last week, um, I don't know how much longer that kid has to wait before he becomes a, a first grader. He's looking close to ready now. And I think yeah. he keeps playing this year with the occasional bits and pieces appearances like he's doing he'll help with his confidence i'd be thinking flanagan would need to be a regular next season mm. um and which kind of puts townsend in the in the tricky spot a lot of people will write off townsend and think he's not he's not the creative person he should be the first one to go but the thing is that he is is steady exactly and that is hard to get in a halfback. Too many halfbacks come in and they're pretty erratic. You'll get one great game one week, one poor one the next. And Townsend mm-hmm. just gives you the same performance every week. And it's so easy to build your attack around someone who does that, especially you've got someone like Sean Johnson in your side next to him. Yeah. I mean, if if personally, uh, and it's horrible to say, but it, I, for me it would be Johnson would be the odd man out for me because apart from the injury issues, um, his form just wasn't has not been great for a, about a year now. If you go back into the end of last year, and but the problem is that he will be on a fair whack of money, and I don't know that you can just kill that much of your salary cap and have it sitting on the sideline watching from the stands. Um, bit of a decision coming up, and you know it's it's going to be interesting to see which way they go. Yeah, I think the. What we can agree on, though, is that Flanagan has to be retained because that kid looks brilliant. Definitely, and there'll already be other clubs that will be talking to his managers. I don't know who his managers will be. Hopefully, it's not his dad. Um, (laughs) But uh, (laughs) either way, you'll be getting lots of emails. (laughs) In your hotmail. Yeah, someone at the Sharks will be getting emails saying, oh, we're still on to move you, son. It's like, oh, man. Anyway. Yes. All right. Next team is uh, Manly, which is probably mm. surprising a few people given that they've had Shocking. also yeah. very few roster changes. And Des Hasler's come back after a rather after he's had a year off after um, 
getting unceremoniously unceremoniously dumped by the Bulldogs for mm. pretty much destroying that club. Um, That's I think you're underplaying it <laughs> just a little. Um, and also the fact that they don't have Tom Trebojevic playing this year at the moment. Yeah, he's had he's had one or two games, but he's currently injured. Um, and now they've got Cherry Evans out. Yet they're still they're still playing damn good footy. Uh, yeah, it'd be surprising a few people to see them that high up in the ladder. I don't think many people would have thought that they'd be a top eight side this year, other yeah, than Manly fans. It's been shocking, and um, you know, good luck to them. It's it's I kind of likened them a little bit, not completely, but a little bit to the uh, the Titans in that it seems just like a they've done their best with recruitment that they could do. And but they're getting results, and you, look, you've got to give credit to Des Hasler as much as it's kind of something I never thought I would ever say again. He's done a very good job with this squad. He hasn't got them playing under sevens football, which is fantastic to see. They've managed to deal with their injuries very well, and I'm, I'm shocked to see them this high up the ladder. I don't know if they will stay in this position um, as we look towards the rest of the season. I don't know that they're going to have too much to deal with come origin time because, I mean, they'll obviously lose Trebojevic. And, by the way, I saw the younger brother playing on the weekend. He's a first grader. He's coming. Like, he will be in this side soon enough. Um, Fantastic young player. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go as the season wears on. But so far, they've been punching above their weight, and good luck to them. They've been really, really good. Yeah, no, they have. And the thing I like about them, too, is they they focus a lot of their play on the edges. And Joel Thompson and Curtis Siren have been bloody strong this year out there. Um, and it makes up for whatever lacks they may have in the back line at the moment because mm-hmm. if there's those two blokes making those um, making making a lot of... Uh, Meters on the sides there. Yeah. It's making it easy for their backs to, to look good and run off the back of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Coruscant's been strong this year. DC's been in bloody brilliant form. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just even Ruben Garrick, the young bloke, is coming on the wing. You know, he's yeah. he's getting better every week, so he's looking very good. Yeah, and I think their success you can put down to their forwards. Their forwards have been tremendous this year. And, uh, you know, just a... I've been shocked by their form. I really have been shocked. If somebody had said to me, like, before the season, where do you think that Manly will finish? I would have said, like, maybe bottom three. And look at them. They're up in the top eight. So, um, yeah, like, if they can keep this up as the season drags on, imagine if Des Hasler was the coach of the year. (laughs) That'll go down well in Belmont. Yeah, yeah. The doggies love that. All right, next is the Eels, Parramatta. Mm. Um, they're, they're, the, they're the NRL's yo-yo. You know, made yeah. the finals, then got the spoon, then they're back, back sitting in the top five on a ladder. Um, they do everything most, except win premierships, eh? Well, that's right. <laughs> um, must admit, um, Moses has, been look, has looked a lot better as the um, dominant half. It's, mm-hmm. it's a role he's always needed to have, though. Yeah, uh, he struggled with it at the Tigers because he always had Brooks and Farrow there, and they'd overcall him a bit, or they'd be fighting for the ball. Yeah, and he had it with Norman at, Norman in the last year. Um, that's not an issue now. His only strong um, competitor, I guess, when it comes to asking for the ball, would be Gutherson. But having him at fullback has 
alleviated that drama a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, their forwards are on fire this year, especially Reed Mahoney. I didn't think he'd do as well as he has done this year. Yeah, and they've been another <laughs> team really put it on an opposition when they're on fire. Um, and their backs too. I mean, some of their backs have been playing great, uh, especially on the weekend. I mean, they're going to get something out of that stadium, playing at Parramatta Stadium. I said on Twitter that I think it could be worth as much as 16 points a game to them because it was interesting. One of the commentators that I was working with, and I didn't actually call a game with him, and I'm really sorry, I forget his name, but he said he was talking to one of the uh, female players in one of the finals, and they were saying that when you play on that stadium, that the ground feels smaller because the the stands are just on top of you. And I think that that's going to affect opposition teams when they come and play at Parramatta Stadium. The Eels will be used to it. The ground's just going to feel a lot smaller to them, and it's going to be like 20-plus thousand, which is going to sound like 40,000 in that stadium, which is going to be crazy. I mean, I haven't been there for anything more than the junior finals yet, and there was only about a 1,000 people there, and it was loud even for that. Um so it's going to be a big impact on their season playing at that stadium, and I think we've seen that in the two games that the Eels have played there. And on top of that, I mean, look, I I don't know how highly I rate this Eels team. I think they're about middle of the road. I would say that they're about a seventh or eighth place on the ladder in terms of talent. But they, if they're getting performances like that out of themselves where they really put it to the, to the uh, Dragons yesterday... You know, they're going to end up higher than 7th or 8th on the ladder. I think this is about where I see their ceiling, though, as far as where they're going to end up on the ladder. Um, I can't see them really testing any higher than 5th place. and But I would say that that's a successful season if that's where their season ends up. Yeah, I must admit, though, I'm just looking at their draw and six of their next seven games at Bankwest Stadium uh, against teams that are... Um, in the bottom half of the ladder. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, five, five of the seven. So there's Manly and Manly and South, so the other two teams off face, who are currently in the top eight. Mm. You'd almost have to think that those would be locking for wins, and mm-hmm. that would put them on 10 wins. I mean, that's pretty close to already being in the finals already at that rate. They've only got to get a few more aside from that. Yeah, exactly. Um, they've, they've done pretty well to turn it around. Uh there's just such a hard team to to to, um, to figure out how they're going to go form wise because, as I said, like they made the finals and they got the spoon and you're sort of looking at them going, which side are you going to get now? But exactly. they seem to have the um, they seem to have the combinations working well now. So, mm. which is surprising given that they lost their their you know one of their halves at pretty much at the start of the year in Corey Norman. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it's worked for them. It's worked for them. It's worked for him, which is pretty crazy. Like it doesn't work yeah. out that, that way most of the time. So uh, I, look, it's that's that's what worries you about the Eels that they're going to let you down because they've done it so many times before. Um, as long as they keep it solid for the rest of the season, that's all you really could want. And um, you know, I think that they're gonna—they're just gonna celebrate for forever having that stadium. I—I I love that place. I wish I lived there. <laughs> nah, it's bloody brilliant. Um, yeah. All right. Next is the Storm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, every year they—they they seem to lose another one of their dynasty, their dynasty players. Um, yeah. 
And every year that happens, everyone says, oh, they're going to drop down the ladder now. And, uh, well, they haven't been any lower than fifth so far this year. Uh, two losses so far. Both were very close games. One was against the, the Roosters in the grand final rematch by one point, and then last week's game against the Sharks by two, which um, the Storm have in recent times struggled against the Sharks mm-hmm. um, anywhere, but especially at Shark Park. So that was probably a game they'll feel they should have won. But mm-hmm. they have been, and I have said this before, they have been scratchy for the last month. Um, yeah. You look at the fact they, they only just beat the Bulldogs. They only just beat the Cowboys. They just lost to the Roosters, which was possibly their best performance of the year. Then they struggled to beat a injury-hit Warriors at home, and then they lost last week to an injury-hit Sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're travelling right now, as mm-hmm. good as the latter position suggests. But in saying that, they are such a good side that I don't think it would take them very long to turn that around. They've got Parramatta this week at Suncorp, and then they've got then they've got a run of four games against teams that are out of form and in the bottom half of the ladder, and that's the Tigers, the Bulldogs, the Warriors, and Newcastle. Yeah, and I, uh, look, I didn't hear it, but apparently Be- Bellamy went off his head, um, mm. said he was going to make changes and stuff. I would guess that uh, aside from the fact that they haven't been setting the world on fire and that loss to the Sharks was, you know, I, I didn't think they played that poorly, but it was a shock that they they did lose to the Sharks. I think he's probably setting it up for this soft run that they've got coming up ahead of them um, because it would be really easy for them to string together some wins and then to sort of think, well, we're travelling really well and then just get smashed by by teams um, after that. I've been really impressed with how Croft has been playing. I think he's starting to come into his own uh, as a halfback, which is really good to see. Uh, another player, Kafusi, has been fantastic for them this year. Um, really hitting the line hard, getting them some good go forward. I think Munster as well is having a really, really good year. I know he's a great player anyway, but I think he's really starting to take that step up to being a true star for the Storm rather than just being a, a decent player for the Storm. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a bit of a funny year for them because they're high up on the ladder and they've just been doing storm things pretty uh, much yeah it's it's just like what do you want from the storm that's they they've just been being the storm <laughs> they've got i must say they've got two i think very underrated players in kenny bromwich and mm-hmm. dale finnegan mm-hmm. um god those blokes do a mountain of work and they don't mm-hmm. seem to get mentioned too often um I don't know what I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, Finnegan got mentioned in Origin talk. Yeah, the bloke is just yeah, you know, he's he's kind of the same sort of mould as your Josh Jackson's. You know, just a solid defender. Yeah, um, and does does a fair does more than his fair share of work in attack as well. Uh, just he's just built for for the culture that Bellamy has down there. Yeah, and no, I mean as always, this season really comes down to how Chase Blair plays. I mean, if he plays well for them, they'll go great. Or or at all. I'll <laughs> <laughs> tell you one player who I've been a little bit disappointed with this year is Vunavalu. Uh, I was going to say the same thing, actually. Yeah. he's. I mean, he's normally one of those players that you're horrified if you're the opposition when he gets the ball. And this year, he just hasn't had that spark to him. Um, it's hard to 
put it down to what it is. It might just be teams are defending him a little bit better, but um, he just he just hasn't been as dangerous as you've seen him in the past. And you know, I don't know what it's going to be that gets him out of that. Does he play outside Chambers? Um, I think, I think he does. That might be part of the problem because Chambers yeah, has man. been a bit down in form the last two or three seasons. Yeah, he looks like. Oh, and when you mention him, I mean, he looks like he is starting to get towards the end of his usefulness. Um, so I expect the Titans to offer him a massive contract sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, you can bank on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Next, and this is probably surprising a few of you sitting in third place, is Canberra. Yeah. Now, it would surprise some people, but I actually suggested that Canberra would make the top eight this year because the one thing they've always had in their favour over the last few seasons, since, especially since Ricky Stewart's been there, is they've been one of the best attacking sides in the comp. And I think last year they were they very nearly became the first team last year to have the best attack and not make the finals. I think they only missed out by a few points. They were second best attacking side. This year, they've kept that strong attack, but backed it up with some good defence as well. I mean, they've already had two two games where they've kept their opposition scoreless. Um, they've just got they've just got a good squad across the park. It's solid yeah, it's, everywhere. It's, they've got depth, this yeah, year, which is good, and it's proper first grade depth. And they've moved away. And moved on a few players that were like the plucky losers, which is important. They've still got a couple of them in the side. But uh, that that whole idea of like, oh, he really tried hard, but they lost and we still love them. Can't have that in first grade. No. Um, and they've kind of moved away from that a little bit. And having that extra depth has been fantastic for them. I don't know that I think they're, they're on the position that I would rate them on the ladder. I think that they're probably a lower... You know, maybe, you know, fifth, sixth on the ladder team for me. But it's hard to argue with the, with the way that they've been playing. It's going to be interesting, though, to see how they go when the finals come up. They, they'll make the finals. When the, when you've got that pressure football, and that's where they've really struggled when the heat is on. We've seen past Canberra teams really fold under pressure in the finals. And I'm going to be interested to see how this Canberra side goes in the finals. Um, that's really the only question I have about them. Outside of that, they're, they've got a good, strong squad. They play hard. They don't give you too much. And, uh, you know, it's good to see the, the Raiders being relevant again. It's been so long since they've been relevant. Yeah, look, I agree. And the thing that's been surprising, actually, is um, Whiten at 5'8". So many people had written it off as a, just an absolutely crap idea. Yeah. And to be honest, he's defying a lot of them because he hasn't been that bad. And it took a while for him to get his to get a, a reliable enough kicking game. It's still mm-hmm. not great. But last week against Penrith, his kicking game was the best it's been ever. Mm-hmm. And you can see every week it's getting better. And as that happens, especially when you tie it in with that phenomenal running game he has, um, Geez, they they're just dangerous in the middle, everywhere in the middle. Those yeah. English forwards on the edges just create all those extra opportunities out there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just so strong all across the field. Yeah, and I mean the thing about Whiten, and I wasn't convinced when he was moved there. I thought this is a bad move. This is not going to work. This season, he's, he, it's working, and he's I mean he's so strong. 
in both yeah. attack and defence. And that's the thing that shocked me. It's Something's clicked for him this year. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's parole. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, but, I think... I think some players, um, they need responsibility to get better. And I mm. think putting him in the halves was something that created that for him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also helped, too, that having Charles Nickel clock start coming to a fullback there and have a bloody good season as well. Oh, yeah, it's he's put more pressure. Great. Yeah, it's put more pressure on Whiten to perform well at 5'8 as well because I think in the past, when he'd been put to 5'8", he always had that safety net of, oh, well, if I stuff this up, I'll just go back to fullback and I'll still be yeah. in the side. It'll be all sweet. Yeah. But now, because Clockstad's playing so well, they're like, he's got that, in, he doesn't have that comfort spot in his mind anymore, which means he has to make this work. Otherwise, he doesn't get in the team. Exactly. So and, I and... think that he needs that pressure and that responsibility on him to, to play well. And those that's usually a sign of a really good player. Yeah. And like, it's just, it's working so well for them. And I think it's also given them that extra attacking point that they really needed. They're not just a, a team that's solid and they can do some all right stuff, but you can shut them down when it matters. He can break a game open for you. And they really needed some something like that. So, yeah, it's been a really... I just want Canberra to be what the Canberra Raiders used to be, where they were one of the top sides all the time. And... So that's why I love seeing the Raiders doing well. And to be to have their because going and watching games in Canberra, I mean it's always freezing cold. I love that Raiders fans can turn up in the freezing cold again and actually watch a side that's doing well for them. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, it's um one of the things that's always been great to see is when the Raiders are playing well and their attack is clicking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just there's never been anything better than watching the Raiders with their attacking fine form. It was even hard for me as a West Tigers fan watching the the Raiders play the Tigers in those probably the last four or five years where they just run up cricket scores every time they played the Tigers because yeah. you're watching it going, I hate the fact my team's losing like this, but at the same time, God, their attack looks good. <laughs> I tell you what, though, the kicker, forget his name. What's the kicker's name? Um, what's his name? What? Proker. Okay, yes. I have zero faith in him when the pressure's on. And that's <laughs> not going to change until I see him perform when the pressure's on and when they've got to be kicking goals in the finals. Uh, that's That really worries me. That really, really worries me. Um, They're pretty lucky, though, because if he does go a bit wayward, I mean, they've got you know other goal kickers who are pretty close to an 80% goal kickers well in Aiden Caesar in the side. Yeah, I mean, a bit to take the goal kicking off him though when you get to that point in the season would be a hammer blow, and I think it would send a message to the whole side, you know, that we're worried, <laughs> we're worried about how you're going to go. I uh, that's something that is hanging over the Raiders for me. How is he going to kick goals when it matters? And we're going to find out this year. Um, so we'll see what happens. That's the best thing about the Raiders this year. We're going to find out if they've got it when it counts. Um, the regular season is going great so far. It's all about how they, they play in the finals. Because if they keep this going into the finals, they're a bloody hard side to beat. But yeah, we've seen too much of in the past that you get them in the finals and they just crack under the pressure. So let's see what happens this year. 
Yes, especially considering that the, uh, the last two teams left to discuss look to be light years out of the rest of the competition. Mm-hmm. So the first one is South. Um, who would have thought that you could take Greg Inglis out of a side and it would have zero impact on the way the team performs? Absolutely shocking. Um, and look, I think it was... The best thing about Greg Inglis's retirement is that it, f- football-wise, you, if he stepped back in this week, you'd be like, oh, cool, Greg Inglis is back in the side. That'll be great for them. It wasn't a football decision, I don't think. It was a case of, like, he he just moved on to a different part of his his life, really. Yeah. Um, they're playing unbelievable football. Cook is playing better than ever. Uh, Burgess is playing ever the, better than ever. I think Reynolds has been fantastic this year. They're my tip to win the Premiership this year. I know that the the Roosters are, are, are above them on the ladder, but I think that it's South season to win the Premiership this year. Um, I really think that when the finals roll around, they'll step up to another level. The historian in me would love to see South play the Roosters in the grand final, given that they met in 1908 in the first one. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, it looks a very strong chance. This, the, the one player that stands out for them this year, though, um, without doubt, is Cody Walker. 100%. That guy's grown an extra leg this year. He is just, he's got spiders on him. No one can get near him. Yeah, best um, five eighth in the comp for sure. And like, I mean, going into, and I don't want to talk about State of Origin, but going into State of Origin, he has to be there somewhere. I, I know that you would want to normally keep the halves combination. It's very going to be very difficult to do well, that. Well, you could, you could put Reynolds and Walker together. Well, yeah, I, I and I'd be happy with that. Because then you'd also, have, you'd also have Cook there. You'd get, you'd get the six, seven, and nine all from the one club together. Yeah, because and Walker, Walker's the first one I pick. He's been... He's been maybe the best player in the comp with Chuavasa Shek. Um, unbelievable form. And the best form I've seen from a 5'8 for, for years now. Like, he's just so good. I love watching him play. The thing is, that's great about him, too, is that he's picking the right moments to do the right thing. Like, every decision yeah. he's making is just more often than not. It's not just right, it's perfect, you know. He's just mm-hmm. that game where he scored four tries. Was that against the... Who was that against? Um, it wasn't against Penrith. That was against, it was against the Warriors. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, yeah. Just every decision he made in that game was just absolutely spot on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And the good thing about it was he doesn't need, a lot of the times, he doesn't need his forwards to be making huge metres to pull out some yeah. of those good plays. But exactly. it's just made him better that they have been doing that because... As you said, Cook's been explosive this year. He's he's really carried on that form from last year and taken to the next level. Um, yeah, and it, like it's it's a completely different level. He's dummy half running compared to pretty much every other hooker in the game. So fast out of dummy yeah. half. Now, so, yeah. so his first first four or five steps, he's got two. They're so quick off the mark from a standing start um, that the forwards just. They just keep rolling on, and they just keep making big meters every time. It just makes the job so much easier for the backs and the halves. Yeah, he's, every he's single perfect dummy side. half for this for this forward pack. Like, oh yeah, just absolutely perfect. And you know, once they get it on the roll, he punishes them from running yeah. out of dummy half. And like by the time he's running out of dummy half, you're stuffed. 
Exactly, especially having a, a dummy half who likes to run. Mm-hmm. Too many of them these days just they're just providing service, but he loves to run, and that's that's hard to defend against. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. another, another good player for them too has been Campbell Graham. Yep, he's been great. There's talk of him possibly getting an Origin call up as well. Um, yeah, don't know about that just yet, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised and wouldn't be opposed to it if he did get one. But uh, yeah, he's been a stunning form. I tell you, the only the only worries I have about this South team, Alex Johnson at fullback, I feel as though sometimes he has good games, but sometimes they just he doesn't give them enough out of fullback for me. Um, especially when you look at some of the other fullbacks in the game, like he's, I mean, he's a try scorer. There's no doubt about that, but I feel as though they would probably want more from fullback. Um, than Johnson gives them. And the the other thing for me is there's that big lump of salary cap space that the Bunnies have. And they, they've talked about getting Roberts. I don't know that I would be targeting Roberts. I think that when you've got a big chunk of salary cap space there to use like that, you should wait until you get who you really want. And I think that who they really want is in the next team that we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. And if it, if I was South Sydney, I would hold back. I would be willing to wait if they've got to wait cause, because I don't think that move is going to happen, you know, during the season. But I would wait. And even if I've got to get rid of some other players to even chuck more money at him, I would do it. <laughs> yeah, look, it's a fair call. The thing is, um, I I'm a fan of Alex Johnson. But what mm-hmm. has happened is since he's moved to fullback, his try scoring prowess has dropped significantly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's something they need to probably con- reconsider. Um, how you do it, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's worth trying to see if Graham's any good back there. I don't know. But it, it's it's hard to want to to change what's working, I guess. Too. Mm, and that's the thing. It, it like, you know, he's he's. He's all right back there. It's not like he's bad. It's not like no. you watch him and you go like, oh, man, they need someone else back there. But it, it just doesn't give you what you would want out of a really elite team. And I used to say, like, this is a guy, you chuck him on the wing. He's scoring tries all over the place. Like, he, yeah. he just can't not score tries. He's a natural try scorer. And I, I just feel like he's a bit – it just dulls what he gives you back there. And I think that if – if you could, I mean, if Inglis was still around, I wouldn't, I'd be saying maybe they need to move Inglis back there, but Inglis isn't around anymore. So I think he's all right back there, but I don't know that he is what you want out of an elite fullback in the NRL at the pointy end of the ladder anyway. And that's not to say he's a bad player. Put him on the wing and it's like, ah, oh, you got to do something about this dude. you got to stop him scoring tries. But, yeah, for me it's... He's, he's all right back there, but I, I think you want more if you're looking at the lofty heights that the Rabbitohs should be looking at this year. And speaking of lofty heights, we're at the top of the ladder. Defending Premiers, the Sydney Roosters. Um, they lost their opening game to mm-hmm. South, of all teams, and then they've won all seven games since, and they've looked... They haven't even looked like they're in top gear yet. That's the no. thing that's scary about them. They look mm-hmm. to be cruising through the season. 
Um, mm-hmm. But Latrell Mitchell is in the form of his life, and this kid is 22. You know, no, it's crazy. And I was when I was watching him this round, and I, there was somebody on Twitter said, and it was a few weeks ago. They said, I think he's better than Greg Inglis was at that age. And at the time, I thought, oh man, that's that's a pretty you know lofty goal. I think he might be though. I think he might be better than Greg Inglis. And Greg Inglis to me is, I mean, we're looking at a mortal level player in Greg Inglis. Um, well, and we've talked about him in, in previous episodes, how highly we both think of Greg Inglis. But Mitchell is, I mean, he's devastating in attack and he's ripping teams apart and he's a goal kicker and he's a really, really good goal kicker. Um, there's talk that South are going to throw money at him. If I was talking to South Sydney about it, I would say you need to throw more at him. You need to give him an offer that he cannot refuse um, because he is just something else. But, yeah, going on the Roosters, they've well, what don't they have? They've got depth. They've got experience. They've got youth. They've got young players come through. They've got players in the lower grades pressuring the the first graders for their spots. As you say, they've been doing this at a bit of a canter, and they look so good doing it. They're covering injuries so well. There's nothing to not like about where they're at right now. They, uh, yeah, I agree with all of that. They just this is the thing. They don't even you don't even feel like they're going to lose too much momentum when Kronk eventually does decide to retire. Mm. You don't even know that who's going to replace him at this stage, but you just think there's just too much class in this side for them to be nothing but a regular team in the top four. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're just... And they're just... Trent Robertson's got this knack of bringing through young guys and giving them constant taste of the game and getting them in there and slowly injecting them in there. Um... And it just works so well because some of these guys are becoming regulars now. They come through that sort of method of just drips and drips and drips, and you get a little bit here and then you give it a taste for it. And if they're really good at it, he'll leave them in there. If it looks like they're about to drop out of form, he'll drop them before they have a shocker and get down about it. Um, I think I think we're about to see Victor Radley um, go to the next level now that he's going to have no competition for that uh, that hooker spot with with friend out for a little bit. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, he. there were times he struggled on the weekend with it, but it seems like that's the position that he's going to end up in. I think that because of his size, I, I don't think you want him in the back row. I think that's going to burn him out too quickly. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that that hooker position is probably, because he was one of those players that just get him out in the field, just get him playing footy. Um, and you could have he could have ended up anywhere, and it seems as though... That hooker role is maybe at least it's worth giving him a shot for a, a substantial period of time in that position. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think that he's about to really kick on. Um, Luke Keary's been sensational. I mean, geez, I mean Luke Keary as well for State of Origin. I I can't not have him in the side somewhere. That's the no. thing. It's it's at a bit of an embarrassment of riches. Um, the, the only player, there's, there's the only issue I see coming up for them is Ryan Hall, who's the English player that they've got. 
Um, they've brought him over. I don't really know why, but they they do. I don't have a place for him in the first grade team at all. He's well, it's a also worth too. They've got Brett Morris as well, who's out and injured at two at the moment. Yeah, like I, you know, do you bring him back into the side? I I leave them. I let them just run with yeah. it. Um, I can't make any changes to them. Obviously, friend, you'd bring back, but yeah, I, I just, they're going so well. And they're really good to watch play too. That's the thing. I love watching Kiri play. I love watching him work with um. Oh, what's the center's name? I forgot his name. All of a sudden, I've been. I just turned, talked him up as like a two million dollar player. Latrell Mitchell. Latrell Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that bloke. I love, watching, I love watching him play with Mitchell, um, and watching that combination. It, it's it's fantastic to watch this Roosters team play right now. Um. I, I think it's going to be them and, as, as you say, the, the them and Seahs, they seem to be a cut above everyone else and by quite some way. Um, I tend to not be one that's, like, about the history and that with the Roosters because I think that they're – because they haven't got a supporter base, it's like, well, what are we doing here? But that's just me, you know. Um, I, I, it's them too. It's them too. I can't see anyone else challenging that, those Souths and the Roosters for the grand final. Yeah. Um, the only problem that the the Roosters will have mm. is round origin time and mm. if Tedesco gets an injury at any time because that's the one area they may struggle because they do rely on his magnificent bloody carries and, and kick returns especially. He gets them on the front foot every time from the first tackle. And they're playing on the bloody SCG, and they've got that cricket pitch area. Mm. And I worry about that. Like, you know, he, he had that knee injury to start his career. A few and of I, them, actually, yeah. Yeah, and I really, really worry about that whenever they're playing on an SCG pitch because that would be a, an absolute hammer blow to the club. Um, and it's something that you kind of have always been worrying about when he's played, and thankfully nothing has happened to him, touch wood. Um, but, yeah, playing on that cricket pitch. And I think I wonder, look, they're playing so great. It, it's obviously not affecting them, them, but just playing at the SCG, it's got to be disheartening at some point because the crowds for the Roosters are terrible anyway. And now they're about 50 million miles away from the, the pitch, um, it's not going to be a great atmosphere playing at the SCG, so that. Uh, but that doesn't seem to be affecting them. So no, they're drawing pretty decent crowds there. I mean, it was almost yeah, fourteen grand last week, it's, and it's Roosters turnstiles. I mean, you click through and you hear it click over four times. You know, <laughs> 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 you put your ticket through the machine, and it goes beep 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 beep. It's like, wow, <laughs> how did that work out? Um, so that's one thing, and. You know, it was funny though when we were watching them um, on the weekend, and they're saying, "Oh, the the SCG and these iconic pictures from inside the change rooms." And I was kind of thinking, like, I'd love to talk to somebody that's been around the SCG for a long time because I'd love to hear if that's actually the change rooms, or if they'd say, "Oh, this is actually the, you know, where we used to store shit." <laughs> the old broom closet. Yeah, yeah, we've just turned it into a. You know, one for the footy teams to go in. So that would be interesting to find out. But um, we, we used to hide all of the snooker balls in here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Because it's always everything's oh, it's so classic at the SCG and that. But um, yeah, Roosters great season, and they sh- they should make the grand final. I think so. Um, yeah, there's not too many teams I see out there at the moment challenging South and the South and the Roosters at this stage. Um, Melbourne, obviously, always you never write them off in the final series. So Bellamy knows how to get them to the next level. Doesn't matter who's in the squad. But um, yeah. If, the, if I had to pick the semi-finals right now, just and not looking at where they are in the ladder, I would guess it would be my my choices would be it would be uh, the just the top four. Let's say that. Yep. Um, Roosters, Souths. I think the Dragons, just because of their forwards and the depth they've got in the forwards, and as we said, so much versatility too, and they're going to get players back. And the other team would be Storm. And I think outside of that, you would need... I I just don't see anybody challenging from outside of that at all. Um, You know, I guess you could say the Sharks maybe could jag something and and get up there. But I I don't see anybody else really doing anything. The Sharks have the potential to only because they're going to have so many fresh bodies coming back at the back end of the season from injury because they haven't played at the start of the year. And experienced um, players too. They and, know what yeah, it takes. Exactly. So I think there's still a bit of a dark horse in that area. I don't see them as a premiership contender though this year, but they will... I, I wouldn't be surprised if they moved up in close to the top four, if not in it. Um one team who should be, but I'm going to have to write them off, is Brisbane because that forward pack is brilliant, but for some reason they're just languishing and they don't look like they know how to get out of where they are. Look, I would normally have said the Panthers, but they're done. Yeah, well, Penrith would have been another one too. Um, I think I even had had Brisbane and Penrith as uh, top five teams this year when I made my prediction at the start of the year. Um, this is This is pretty much the first... First year of Penrith's um, premiership window. I always say every team's got a two-year premiership window, one year where you get to falter and one year where you actually get to do it properly. And yeah. um, I'd have thought Penrith would have been, at the start of the year, they would have been looking at a top three spot and pushing for a spot in the grand final this year mm-hmm. and possibly looking at winning the thing next year. But looking at it now, just think, nope, they've got to do a reset. I don't know what they do there. Yeah, it's weird. It's very weird. They've thrown this one away. They really have. They really, really have. Um, uh, so disappointing. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, too, is that so much of it, though, and this is the thing that sucks, is um, some clubs miss out on an opportunity because of injuries, and that can't be helped. But the Penrith one, I just find it so self-inflicted. It just makes yeah. it so much more disappointing because they had the coach who got them in the finals all the time. And... Yeah through all that bullshit to get Cleary and it's turned out that it just wasn't worth it. Not saying yeah. Cleary's a bad coach, but I mean, why change what's working? Exactly. Like if you're winning, just stop. Yeah. Don't do anything. Just leave That's it. Right. Just keep going. And if you look, they, there was this idea that he couldn't get them to the next level. Worry about that when you don't get to the next level. You know, yeah. it wasn't like we were making semifinals, semifinals, semifinals and losing. It was like we just were just making the semifinals. You know, we were just starting to get a foot in the door. Um, ah, 
And and with the <laughs> side, especially when he first got there, they were making the semi-finals with a team that wasn't expected to be there. Yeah. You know, now they're a team that were expected to be there, and he's not there, and you just go, well, what could have been? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, there's so much. Well, at the end of the year, we'll do a deep dive into all that stuff, and it's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, I should be really angry by that point. Yeah, I dare say I'll, be, I'll just be depressed. <laughs> uh, well, that's been a pretty good one-third season post-Easter, Anzac Day, school holidays review. I've been very impressed with that. I yeah. think we've done really well. Remember that. That's going to be the title of the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Longest episode name ever. And I've yeah. made some real long ones. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll, that'll push the level there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, um, yeah, we're a few weeks away from Origin, so we'll be doing, we've got some, some stuff lined up for that, which is going to be pretty exciting too, and oh, very right, unique yeah. and different. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be uh, a bit of fun. Um, thanks, everyone, for tuning in, as you do every week. Um, we've taken up a bit more of your time this week, so um, hope you enjoy that. Um, as we mentioned last week, uh, oh, sorry, not last week, last episode, that uh, I don't need to tell you where you can listen to it, because you already are. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you can find us on actually YouTube now. So you make sure you go over there and check that out. Just just yeah, go over check. there and just 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 go over there and like all the videos and subscribe. Yeah, just like and subscribe yeah. and you give listen them to because you already are. And yeah, yeah, you know you've you've already heard us by this yeah. stage. Just let it run. In fact, there's probably a way to do a playlist. Just let it run all day. Just yeah, yeah, absolutely. Run, run. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I assume that's how most people listen to the podcast. They just press play because they've been kind to us, and then they go to work and just leave then it they, at home. Yeah, they, they press play and walk away from it. <laughs> you know what? If, if that's what you do, thank you, because that still makes us feel happy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look, you can uh, you can catch us on Twitter, at League Freak, and at Andrew RLP. Uh, we're always on there having, having our own separate yarns about the stuff, and sometimes mm-hmm. we um, amuse each other with our own conversation. Yeah, feel it's fantastic. To, feel free to get involved. Um, and yeah, keep the conversation respectful because that's what we'll try and do. And uh, if you want to go a different way, I was going to say if you want to, I was going to say if you want to take it in a different direction, I was going to say if you want to take it in a different direction, we're happy to oblige there if we have to. Sometimes so. <laughs> I tell you one thing: it, one thing that people could do whenever we post the uh, the podcast up, the best thing you can do is to retweet it because. We've been noticing that when it, we get retweets for the episodes that we put out, that really does a heap for us because it gets new people involved in it. So that's what we're kind of aiming for, is to get as many new listeners as possible while we establish the podcast. And retweets are just gold in that sense. Absolutely. Also, um, we've had a few people offering suggestions for episodes. and There's been one idea which has constantly come up i'm not going to go into it but we are doing a fair bit of work on that um Mm. behind scenes and we're going to make some more than one podcast episode on that so uh keep tuned there if you've got any other ideas you'd like us to chat about we're diplomatic people you you can get in touch with us on twitter or send us an email podcast at leaguefreak.com let us know what you think we should cover yeah chat about anything open to suggestions we've got about 57 different ideas for podcasts that we kind of want to knock out in the next week. 
Yeah, we'll do them all in a week. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, if we did as if we got the podcast done when we wanted them to do it, you'd be getting like five different episodes a week at least. So we're trying to we're trying to not give you too many too much content to listen to, but um we do have so many great ideas that are coming up and it's just really exciting. So I cannot wait to get into some of the subjects we've got coming up. Absolutely. Um, and the podcast has been going gangbusters too. So thanks everyone for tuning in and, and listening. Um, yeah. What else is, oh, we're on Facebook as well. You can find us on there. We're still working on the Twitter thing, waiting for Twitter to pull their finger out of the backside over that one. Mm. Um, over my mistake. <laughs> I should, my mistake, mistake. I was like, I've made a mistake here. See if you can fix it. And you're like, oh, I fixed it. Oh, I've made a mistake. Yeah, so. I fixed it and then destroyed it. So, <laughs> anyway. That was dumb. Sounds um, like a massive value coaching plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the destruction was more impactful than the fixing. Yeah, exactly. That's definitely Matthew. I see Matthew Ellis now addition our daily endpoints too for players. So that's oh, uh, that puts, oh, puts a lot of integrity into the system for you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, don't. I can't. No, I can't stop. I, I, I was looking at the daily endpoints over the water on the weekend, and you see there's yeah. a few few people that are dishing them out for certain games with with vested interests. Like yeah. Steve Roach was, gave, um, I think he gave Mitch Pierce three points or Mitch Moses three points, something like that. He's going, yeah, well, he played with the the father or the uncle of that player. He's sort of got a bit of a, a bit of bias in that regard. Yeah, it's uh, I like I don't take too much notice of the Dalian points. I, I saw a ladder um, of who was leading. Uh, I think it might have been on the weekend. And there were some names in there. I was like, what? What's going on here? It just seemed a bit weird. But the thing about the Dalian, and I always come back to it, Darren Lockie never won one. So, I don't know. Well, that's true. Um, you know, if there wasn't a more consistent, high performer, and maybe in the game's history, Darren Lockyer, and for him to not win one is like, what the hell? I often thought it was a bit, bit silly named after Daly Messenger, considering he never won it either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine winning your own award. That would be fantastic. <laughs> would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, um, we've rambled on for a few minutes here. We'll mm-hmm. uh, wrap it up. We'll catch us all later on. Obviously, we'll be having a few more episodes out this week, so... Um, We'll definitely let you know. So catch us all later. Bye-bye.